Hello, my love. Welcome to the Asian Women Mean Business podcast, hosted by me, Rapinda Kaur. I will share tools, tips, and experiences to help make your life easier, bolder, and happier. We will bring in guests who have lessons to share about life, purpose, and relationships, and how they overcome their challenges to create a life that they are proud of. My hope is that each episode will shine more light on your life and help you gain clarity on who you are, recognize your strengths, to empower you to become a powerful woman. Someone who knows her worth, who is confident about herself and her identity. A woman who is willing to evolve to become the best version of herself, not just for her, but for future generations. Are you ready? Well, let's get started with this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Asian Women Mean Business. We're marking World Book Day on Thursday, the 4th of March. And it really got me thinking about books that I've loved reading. And in particular, one book that has had a huge pivotal impact on me. I have loved books from my earliest, earliest memories. I can remember going to the library and taking out books. I remember I used to always get the maximum. We were allowed to get 10 books out. And growing up in inner city Wolverhampton, my parents didn't have a lot of money. So it wasn't a a choice to buy books. But the library, which was literally six minutes away from our house, the local library, is somewhere that I spent a lot of time. And I really, I used to love reading. Does anyone remember the Sweet Valley High series and um, the Babysitter's Club books and, and also all the classics? I actually did English literature at A level because I just loved books. I love the classics. I love reading. I have read a considerable amount of books. I'm a very quick reader. So I'll probably go through 40 and 50 books a year and often have several on the go at the same time. But in contrary to when I was growing up, I used to love reading fiction books. And I used to, you know, love the Harry Potter series, loved books that take you to another world. Um, The Hunger Games, I think, is a really another book that I really managed to throw myself into and others. But more recently, over the last 18 months and two years, I've been more into nonfiction books. I love reading particularly memoirs and biographies and stories of depth and substance, something that I really want to add to my life. I want to read books that have wisdom, that have learnings, and, and then think about how I can apply that to my life. And the book that I'm going to recommend is a book that came out in 2012. And it's a book that deeply touched me when I first read it sort of six, seven years ago. And I read it every single year. It's something that I really have held on to because I have found the lessons and learnings to be so profound. So the book is called The Five Regrets of the Dying. It's a book by Bronnie Ware. And she was a palliative nurse. A palliative nurse is someone who cares for people at the end of their lives. And she wrote this book um, based on a blog that she was writing. And as she was talking to people who have reached the end of their life, and some of the conversations that they were having, she was really struck by how profound those conversations were. So she started to compile them in a blog, which subsequently was turned into this book. And in this book, she covers the five regrets that most people say when they come towards the end of their lives. And this, the book is, it has so much beauty and depth and wisdom. And I find it really 
useful reading about what people wish they had done differently when they reach the end of their life because it's a little bit like a cautionary tale because there's so much to learn from them and I really want to apply those learnings to my life now. I want to make sure that when I get to the end of my life I'm not expressing the same regrets because I've taken the time to read what other people have said and I want to apply them to my life. So the five regrets then that people say when they reach the end of their life are, number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. Here's the thing, there will always be challenges in our life. And whether you live your life to someone else's standards or to your own, when you come across these difficult challenges from time to time, it's going to be really, really difficult to surmount them. But if you're living a life that is true to yourself, at least you have the satisfaction and joy that comes with that because it's a, a situation of your making. It's a life of your making. And it's so powerful when we hear from others saying, you know what, I didn't live my life that was true to myself. It was about what others had expected of me. And we know this to be true in the South Asian community, as South Asian women. We know that this is true for us, that it's so easy for us to succumb to living our lives and how other people want us to live that life. We need to be hitting the milestones that they have set for us. We need to be achieving certain things. But when we sit down with ourselves, we need to understand and really unpack what do I want out of my life? This is the one life that we have at this time. You know, as six, we believe that we believe in reincarnation. We believe in many million life forms that we're going to go through. But we also know that the life is fragile. There's a sacredness to it. And my belief is that we have come here to serve our purpose and what our heart's calling. And any time that you are taken off that course, there's a turmoil and disconnect that comes. So I just love the fact that this is a really powerful learning that we can incorporate into our lives right now. So the regret was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself not the life others expected of me. Sit with that. Ask yourself, am I living a life that is true to me or is it what other people want from me? Number two was, I wish I hadn't worked so much. Bronnie says, this came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Wow, that quote, it just hits me in the in the feels. I can really feel those words. And we know that women are working more. We are breadwinners. We're running our own businesses. We're, we're successfully having corporate careers. Or So this is something that can apply to us all. Are you spending all of your time working that you are missing life's moments? And that's not to say, of course, we have to work hard. I work hard, but I have made sure that I have a balance of not working so much that I lose sight of what really matters. So if I'm saying, oh, I'm working really hard because I want to provide for my children, I want to give them a great life. But are we missing our children's youth? I remember once being witness to a conversation that took place between uh, an extended family member of ours and their children. And it was um, this particular Uncle G had worked incredibly long hours, hard hours as an engineer, you know, 80, 90 hours a week. 
And he was talking to his now older sons and saying, you know, yes, I had to work really hard, but it was to provide a lifestyle. You know, we took you on great holidays. We had a great home. We did all this wonderful stuff. And their son, one of their sons actually said to him was, yes, we had all of that, but we didn't have you. And honestly, I'm, you know, I heard this conversation more than 20 years ago and it really hit me hard. Sometimes we get so caught up in why we're working hard and what we want to provide for our children. We deny them our existence and our presence. And we need to be really careful of that. At the end of the each day, you know, let's look back and feel were those hours well spent or did you procrastinate? Did you spend time, you know, scrolling that the, the scroll of doom on social media? Were you really working? Were you really adding value? I'm very clear now that I have something that I tell all my clients and members about, which is called your sacred yes. So get really clear on what your sacred yes is in your life and say no to anything else that falls outside of that. I say no to 90% of things that are offered to me. And that are things like interviews, meetings, um, taking part in books or podcasts or um, because I'm so focused on the fact that my number one priority is my children and then it's my work, it's my clients, it's my members. And if I'm being taken away from that, it has to be worth it. It has to be a sacred yes. And if it's not, then it's a no. And I politely decline. Number three was, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Bronnie Ware in the book says, many people suppress their feelings in order to keep peace with others. As a result, they settled for a mediocre existence and never became who they were truly capable of becoming. Many developed illnesses relating to the bitterness and resentment they carried as a result. Wow. I mean, when I first read that, it really hit me. How true is this? You know, we all have experiences and people in our lives that maybe haven't done us good. Maybe we haven't done them good. But having the courage to say how we feel. And don't get me wrong, this isn't about going on a rampage. It's not about, you know, now picking up the phone and telling people off or telling them how they've wronged you. But it's more about making sure that, you know, people that you love, do they know that you love them? People that you have let you down and have disappointed you, have you been able to express that to them in a, a, a way that feels reflective of you and the situation? And even if you ha don't have the courage to express your feelings to them, do you have the courage to express your feelings to yourself? And by that, I mean, sometimes we are dealing with situations and we don't have the courage to tell ourselves how we feel about it. And these can be some of the big emotions that we've been told are the negative or the wrong emotions. So maybe you are feeling bitter. Maybe you're feeling resentful or jealous or envious. Have you had the courage to even say that to yourself, that that's how you're feeling? Because that is the first step. So yes, if you do have the courage to express it to others, but take the time to express it to yourself. And that could be by saying it to yourself. It could be writing it. It could be expressing it to a, a in a safe space, to a friend that you trust, to a, a therapist. But number three was, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. And you can express those in any way that you feel fit to yourself and to others. Number four was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And she says in the book, 
Often they would not truly realize the full benefits of old friends until their dying weeks and as it was not always possible to track them down. Many had become so caught up in their own lives that they had let golden friendships slip over the years. There were many deep regrets about not giving friendships the time and effort that they deserved. Everyone misses their friends when they are dying. Now is a great time to get in touch with people. But also with the lack of the usual social gatherings, the meetings, the school runs, it's also really easy to lose touch. And yes, we meet new people all the time. But what about the ones you've known all your life? Have you made the effort to stay in touch with them, to cultivate those friendships, to check in with them? to honour those milestones. So one of the things that I do is obviously we're all very busy. Everyone has children and jobs and families and parents and in-laws. But one of the things I do try to do is honour the milestones in my, my friends' lives. So whether that's their birthday, whether that's an anniversary, whether that's their children's birthday, I really try to check in with them at that moment and send a message to say, I'm thinking of you and um, honour that milestone. Because I know when people have done that for me, that has meant something. I'm I'm really loyal and I have some incredible friends. You know, I have friends in my life that I've known since I was five, since I went to reception and that's 35 years ago. That that hits me. Um, and when I go back to my hometown, Wolverhampton, I regularly try to check in on them. Those friendships are golden. They What they bring to my life, the stability and the security and the foundation is like nothing else. Um, so number four was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. The number five regret, so the last regret was, I wish that I had let myself be happier. And Bronnie says, this is a surprisingly common one. Many did not realise until the end that happiness is a choice. They had stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. The so-called comfort of familiarity overflowed into their emotions as well as their physical lives. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content when deep within they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. This is all about allowing yourself to be happy, to feel joy, to saying yes to the things that you know will feel good. It's really easy to become almost addicted to our own suffering or to our own difficulties and challenges. I know what that feels like and also to be almost stuck in that victim mode. But once we overcome that, there is so much joy, even during our difficult times, if we allow ourselves to expand in that moment and focus on joy. One of the things that I talk about, and I will be doing a podcast about it, is the fact that for one year, I have a, a word of the year, and for one year, for 2018, my word of the year was joy, um, because I wanted to focus on that. And what I did for that was, I actually actively allowed myself to feel happier. So I watched funny things. I was goofy. I surrounded myself with friends that really made me laugh, you know. And I have so many photos of myself. I know people talk about ugly crying. I have so many photos of myself ugly laughing, just with my mouth wide open. You can see, <laughs> you can see my tonsils. But I love those moments of joy when you can laugh and you're carefree. And this is the thing, joy and happiness is something that can be cultivated. I'm going to do another episode about you know, what the scientific way that you can be happier. But allowing yourself to seek those moments out, watching funny things, being with funny people, 
You're turning down the dial on the things that don't bring you joy, that don't make you feel happy. And turning up the dial on the things that do is the way that we can allow ourselves to be happier. You know, if you have children in your lives, getting down with them and being playful with them, actively playing with them, jumping on the trampoline with them, playing hide and seek with them. Really tapping into your own inner child is one of the ways that I have brought back joy and happiness to my life. And that I found I did find that really difficult because growing up as a South Asian girl, I was told off all the time that I had I was laughing too much, my laugh was too loud, that um there's a there's a Punjabi saying which goes which is, you know, you've got your teeth out all the time because you're laughing all the time. And isn't that sad? Isn't it sad that we encourage our girls in particular to not express themselves in that way because I've shared this with other women and they say oh yes me too and maybe if you're listening you relate to that I actively encourage my daughter to laugh and express herself through joy to laugh loudly it's one of the biggest things that blessings that we can have in our life to to be able to laugh deeply at those moments so these were the top five regrets of the dying a book by Bronnie Ware an incredible book that has touched me deeply. Like I said, it came out in 2012, but I read it every year. I recommend it to everyone. And it's something that has, the lessons have stayed with me. And it's something that even when I'm going through a really challenging time, I go back to these lessons. And I say to myself, Rapinda, don't reach the end of your time expressing the same regrets that you have read about. Learn something from this. Learn from the wisdom of others that have come before us. And I hope that this episode helps you to do that as well. Do read the book. If you have read it, let me know what you think about it. Until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. Do subscribe, leave a review and share. It would mean the world to me. 